Support the Dungeon Masters Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is by buying the DMD a beer so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the DMD and buy us a beer or three or five. Don't forget to say something nice or mean. We don't care. You're buying us a beer. Now on to this week's episode. Welcome back, students of the dojo. This week, we're continuing our look at Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. And today, we're taking a look at the Rogue class, its new features and subclasses. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's enter the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Good. We're up to some roguery today, from what I understand. Sneaky, sneaky. That's right. I was going to say, I think you guys snuck this one in on me. <laughs> yes, we did. It, it, it'll it, The reasons why will be revealed shortly. I think I already know. I do too. <laughs> I hate you both. And I'm quite happy. <laughs> so let's get on with it, shall we? Yes, a uh, special thank you to Rutger Hauer for being the uh, <laughs> model for the Drow Rogue in the picture there. Who looks um, somewhat indifferent. Yeah. I. It's like, eh, I, I suppose they'll shoot. I suppose. That's a, a B-movie or my likeness in a D&D book. Uh, I'll do both. It will <laughs> only take me about a day and a half to, to, to do them both simultaneously. There you go. Um. <laughs> Optional class features. Let's um, get into it. Yeah. All right. So, the rogue. Right out of the gates. Uh, they start you at third level as a feature with steady aim. Uh, bonus action, you give yourself advantage on your next attack roll on your current turn. You can use this bonus action only if you haven't moved during this turn. And after you use the bonus, your speed is zero until the end of the current turn. Hmm. And that's it. That's it. Kind of meh. Yeah. It's like, meh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Meh. Yeah, exactly. Meh. Yeah. Very vanilla. Um, uh, it's not it's not doing it for me. You just get you just basically get an advantage for standing still for a turn. Yeah. And um I don't know, maybe it's because you got a lot of like cool stuff it seemed with the uh artificers or I don't know what it is, but this isn't doing it for me. They were inspired by the the Rector Howard portrait. Yeah. Who looks kinda meh. He's shooting something tall. Yeah. Because uh, he's got a name Skyward. Um, now, when we get into the archetypes, um, I kind of like them. Um, uh, yeah. I start off liking them, and, and that kind of goes away kind of quick. 
Yeah, well, we saw that one coming. Um, <laughs> a mile away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's... Let's start at the beginning. Let's start with the Phantom. Yes. Right, so you... Um, you're walking kind of like this fine line between life and death. You've got a lot of these kind of macabre skills going on when you're when you're a, a, a one of those phantom archetypes. And it says, you know, how did you discover the grim power? Like, how did you get to be this type of rogue with this particular talent set? Right, and that's something that you have to ask your your yourself. All right, why would I? Why would I have it? Yeah, it's cool. But, like, where does it fit in? Like, you can't go to school to learn this stuff. There's no, like, phantom rogue kind of academy. And if there was, it wouldn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, You know, this is the type of skill that maybe you learn from someone, you know, who's, I don't know, selling mogwai out of uh, an exotic, (laughs) you know, pet shop. You know, it's it's somewhere where you got to go into the bowels of some major city or forest and find some person who is kind of like reportedly this type of person. Like they have this skill set, or at least that's what the stories say. Or you go there for one thing and it turns out he has a completely different skill set. Yes. yes, I gave you the abilities just like you asked. This is what I asked for. Well, this is what I got, so that's what you get. You know, have a nice day. Bye. Yeah, and it's it's a really, really, really neat subclass when i read this and or archetype i I should say archetype when i got to the end is how did you get your your powers the first thing that came to mind is as a child you're playing with your friends and as a a joke and a dare you go into the mausoleum and they lock you in there and they leave and you're in there overnight maybe for a couple days and the trauma of being in there constantly you know worried terrified has opened your mind to the the spirits that are looking for the 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 mind that that is embracing terror, and yeah. now now you can hear the spirits and the, the the phantoms and the the souls that are floating about. So that that was the first thing that popped into my head. I was thinking maybe you had a a near death experience or you died, mm-hmm. and the local herbalist or local witch or local shaman or whatever you want to call it brought you back to the world of living, but not in its entirety. Because of that, you still have a, you're still kind of tethered to the realm of the dead a little bit. You're not quite the same person you were before. You're alive, but there's, there's stuff that you see and you know that you didn't see or know before. Unavoidable connection. Yeah. 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 And I like that. That's the key word too is unavoidable. Unavoidable. You know, maybe you're, you know, and who wouldn't, you know, try to avoid it. I don't like this. This is creepy. I want it to stop. So maybe you're, you know, you're on a quest. Maybe you're, you spent a lot of time in, um, you know, monasteries or churches or whatever, trying to kind of shed this, this like ghostly coil that's got you tethered to the realm of the dead. You know, maybe, maybe they're, maybe you're tattooed with holy symbols, hoping that'll help, but it hasn't turned out to be of benefit to you. Uh, Maybe you've seen 
warlocks and alchemists and any number of of uh, individuals to help you kind of you know come back fully to the land of the living. Uh, once taken, can can no longer be granted. Even in the explanation, it says. These rogues take knowledge from the dead and become immersed in the negative energy, eventually becoming like ghosts. What if they're not taking the knowledge it's being forcibly given? Yeah. You're, you're a vessel and the dead sees you as a conduit and it and they're forcing themselves upon you and their knowledge and you know, you can use it, but you never asked for it. You don't want it, but you're being given it whether you like it or not. There's this this cold grip that the land of the dead has on you and they won't let go. Mm. You know, and and that's what's that's what's keeping you there. It's like you're you're ours now. You're our 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 pathway to the world of the living. Whereas before we weren't able to really communicate effectively, but now now we have you. We're not letting that go. Sleep well, kids. What if it's a a way of the mercy monk that brings somebody back, and this is the price you have to pay now? Maybe it is. Mm. You know, since they're not. They're not that kind of healer that a holy person is. Exactly. You know, maybe that's exactly what happened. Maybe that was, was how you re, were returned to life, but never fully crossed over. Mm. You know, you're a citizen of two realms now, the realm of the living and the realm of the dead. Reluctantly, the realm of the dead. Right. Well, like we said in our monk episode, um, you know, usually there has to be a price paid. So this should be or could be that price paid, you know, for some upstart um, player that's coming through. Yeah. It's your, you're paying your penance. Yep. There you go. Well, Hey, let's, let's move on to something a little bit cheerier. Whispers of the dead. Now, if that's not cheery, I don't know what is. There you go. That just smells like rainbows and and candy, doesn't it? Uh, Echoes of those who have died cling to you. Whenever you finish a short or long rest, you can choose one skill or tool proficiency that you lack and gain it as a ghostly presence shares this knowledge with you. <laughs> uh, you lose this feature when you use a feature to choose a different proficiency that you lack. I, once again, I still like the idea of the dead forcing things on you as opposed to, you know, I have nothing for this. And all of a sudden, you know, but I do. And that's and that's how they they keep you. It's like you know, yep. they, and and I think role playing that stuff out is is vital because if you don't do that right, if you don't add these layers, it's just a piece of paper with a bunch of writing on it. And a uh, dead guy gave me a uh, that's uh, this skill to me. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that but you could be done with. This should be more like you know you're getting these little boons. You're gonna. It's like drinking coffee all the time you're going to want a little bit more every time so there's that price you're going even to have if to you pay. know it's bad for you yeah exactly yep. that's how they keep you yep. yep you know and and uh having that you know the constant whispers and you know your friends wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for us you know not me if it wasn't for us or i can see his tagline too you know you okay yeah. the dead keep me what yeah. nothing you know, so and and you know, you play that stuff up too. It's it's what is, what does someone like this look like? Um, they probably don't sleep very well, mm. right? So there's bags under their eyes. They're not gonna they're not gonna look like uh, Ian Summerholder from the Vampire <laughs> Diaries, right? They're gonna look like 
uh, Steve Buscemi, <laughs> right? They're, they're they're not you know there's going to be this constant you know five o'clock shadow. Their hair is going to be going to be messy. They're going to look stressed. You know, black bags under their eyes, um, muttering to themselves. Just yeah, they look like they literally just rolled out of bed. No matter what time of day it is. Yeah, they could have been up for hours. Yep. It looked like they just rolled out of bed. You know, bring that, bring that to the table. Hell yeah. You know, the tormented, tormented hero. That's exactly what you are, is a tormented person. Yeah, Be- because you know that you know where you're going right when you die. Yeah. It's so not a mystery no to you. Yeah. It's not a mystery to you. There's no getting <laughs> away from it. Yep. You're going to become one of those voices that's, that's, that's haunting the inside of your head. Yep. And that could be terrifying. And that's also a great segue to the next, uh, the next ability here. Wails from the grave. That just sounds awful. Right? I like it. So as you nudge someone closer to the grave, you I can channel the line. power of death to harm someone else as well. Say that first line again. As you nudge someone closer to the grave. I love that. You can channel the power of death to harm someone else as well. Immediately after you deal your sneak attack damage to a creature on your turn, you can target a second creature that you can see within 30 feet of the first creature, roll half the number of sneak attack dice for your level, rounding up, and the second creature takes necrotic damage equal to the roll's total as wails of the dead sound around them for a moment. And you can use this a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you get all expended uses when you finish a long rest. This is pretty cool. It, it's it's it's, it's dark. very very yeah. cool and it's dark and and DMs play that up because this is this isn't getting stabbed or slashed or shot with yep. an arrow. This is this should be some terrifying stuff because you know you can you can describe the necrotic damage that necrosis taking place the you know the blackening of the flesh maybe there's even a uh, an odor you know oh, yeah. of Death. decaying yep. flesh that comes with it. And the, you know, whether or not you choose everybody else at the table to be able to hear these wails of the undead or not, but just make that descriptor uh, compelling, you know, uh, just clutching at your head, you know, digging your nails into your head till it starts to bleed, you know, trickles of blood coming down your, your, I would go one step further. It's not having the DM describe this. I would have the player describe it. Yeah. Because this Mm -hmm. should be the player doing it. It should be. It's all thematics. Yes. And let him own it and let that rule of cool go, DM. As long as it's not out of the ordinary. But, yeah, let like Scott said, let everybody hear the wails. Let them see the the decay. You know, that's the damage that they're taking. That's where it should come from, from the player. If the player's not doing it yet, the DM should nudge them. But then the player should own this character. If they're playing it, they need to own this. Yep, and and award experience points for for that or inspiration you know, bonus or inspiration. Well, yeah. e- even the the person who's using this feature, you know, you just slashed across somebody and you've just damaged them, and you look at somebody else and you know they, that eye contact, and you go, "Can you hear them? Can you hear them?" And then, okay, what do you mean? I'm I'm using whales of the grave. And this is what you hear, you know, but just, you know, every time he does it, 
Can you hear them? I can hear them. I want you to hear them. And you know, that's that's and how you're on the verge of going mad hearing all these voices all the time too. Yeah, and now so you know, I can make someone else hear them. Yeah. And and maybe that is in some way a sense of relief for the player character, right? So you have all of these these deathly voices swirling around in your head, swirling around your head, however it is, you know. You're you're listening to the sounds of both worlds, and this is how they get out: is you you let them out so that you can gain some small moment of sanity. You know, there so there there's no more voices swirling around in your head. Now you've given them to somebody else, even if it is just for six seconds. Yep, it's six six seconds of absolute bliss, and that's what you cling relief. To. Yep. Yeah, yep. right. So let's move on. Tokens of the Departed. When a life ends in your presence, you're able to snatch a token from the departed soul, a sliver of life essence that takes physical form as a reaction when you're when a creature you can see dies within 30 feet of you. You can open your free hand and cause a tiny trinket to appear there, a soul trinket. The DM determines the trinket's form and has you or has you roll in the trinket's table. You can have a maximum number of the soul trinkets equal to your proficiency bonus, and you can't create one while you're at your maximum. And you can use these soul trinkets in a number of ways. So, first one. While a soul trinket is in your person, you have advantage on death saving throws and constitution saving throws, for your vitality is enhanced by the life essence within the object. That's no, that, Instead of one saving throw, you get two. Not bad. When you deal sneak attack damage on your turn, you can destroy one of your soul trinkets that's on your person and then immediately use whales from the grave without expending a use of that feature. And we already know whales of the grave is pretty freaking cool. Yes, it is. So you get, a, you get an extra one. And third, as an action, you can destroy one of your soul trinkets no matter where it's located. When you do so, you can ask the spirit associated with the trinket one question. The spirit appears to you and answers in a language it knew in life. It's under no obligation to be truthful, and it answers as concisely as possible, eager to be free. The spirit knows only what it knew in life as determined by the DM. That's a, uh, that's a pretty, neat, pretty neat thing. And, um, but I would want, as, as a DM... I would want these soul trinkets to be to be grim. Uh, yeah, you know, just like a silver shard or something is like mm, no, like if you 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 slay someone with really nice eyes, you know, they have beautiful eyes. Your soul trinket becomes an eye in the palm of your hand, so that's how you remember that. Oh, I remember him or her; they had beautiful eyes, or maybe. You uh, kill a bard, or a bard is slain, you know, nearby to you, and your soul trinket um, is just like a swirling uh, little maelstrom in your hand, and it is that bard's voice. And with the, um, you know, the, the the communing with the 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 dead, you know, imagine imagine someone you have slain, and their soul is immediately dragged into the realm of the dead by all of those spirits whose voices haunt you and, and they're held prisoner there. And the only way for them to be, to leave and, and cross over and be truly at peace 
is to be summoned by you to, you know, answer a question or whatever have you. So they're eager to do that, to get out because they're trapped with all those other spirits that are kind of haunting you. Yeah. And think about this when you're at ninth level, you have four, you you have a plus four to your proficiency. So you'll be having four trinkets up to four trinkets now. Yep. That's pretty potent. I think. Yeah. Especially when you can destroy them and then just replace it with another trinket. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're just, you're haunted. You're haunted by the voices. You're haunted by the horrible power you possess and you're haunted by having to carry around remembrances of the people that that you slay. You have a piece of their soul, you know, the the essence, the thing that makes them them them. Yeah. And now what if it what if that's what's keeping them from crossing over? They're not whole. That's right. You yeah. have you, you have, have a piece, you have, have a piece, that piece. You have the piece of their soul. The puzzle isn't complete. So maybe that's you're hearing their voices exactly. until you release them. That's yeah. why I was and getting when you got to the next one. You're hearing them new until, voices. Yep. yep, on top of so you know they can't pass on because their soul isn't whole. It's not complete. You're you you are keeping them tethered to the real world the same way you're being tethered to the world of the dead. So they're angry, and they're. They're resentful. Yeah. They're being tormented. And then turn, they're tormenting you. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, a price paid. So you're paying that. You're losing sanity over this. You know, maybe that swirling maelstrom that is the bard's voice that you're you're holding, um, the bard that once had that beautiful voice now has a, a, a guttural or raspy voice. So it's this frightening voice that's, uh, that's terrifying. You may be... Maybe sometimes the voices will scream when they know you're sleeping so that they wake you up. So it's like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get mine in, you know, I'm going <laughs> to torment you. You're not going to sleep well. It's, uh, oh, it, it you, makes you for, like my voice. Great. And all you hear is shrieks. Yeah. It, yeah. And it, the cold of the, the cold, dark of the night, just as you're falling asleep, this high pitched shriek, like, you know, a, a young girl has been you know, tormented or scared, livid, and that's, you know, that's, but it's in the, the, the tone, the voice of that bard, and, you know, you heard that bard saying that's, that, that noise never came from that bard, right. now, but that bard was never, in, you know, dead. This is the part the DM should be playing. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, Absolutely. The, the PC will be playing, or the player will be playing all the other parts. This right here is the meat and potatoes, I think, that the yep. DM should be, um, Moving forward with he, yeah, yeah as long as it's big, not Bill because it'll be very it'll be very dark. <laughs> we already know that. I I don't know what you're talking about. I do rainbows and sunshine, baby. Not in your house. <laughs> <laughs> Only when the wife's here. That's true, yeah, but she's not here right now, so it's dark. That's it. <laughs> so next up at level thirteen, you get ghost walk. And what better ability for a phantom than a ghost walk? So you can phase partially into the realm of the dead, becoming like a ghost. Awesome. Yep. As a bonus action, you assume a spectral form. While in this form, you have a flying speed of 10 feet. You can hover and attack. Rolls have a disadvantage against you. You can also move through creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain. But you take 1d10 force damage if you end your turn inside a creature or an object. You stay in this form for 10 minutes or until you end it as a bonus action. To use this feature again, you must finish a long rest or destroy one of your soul trinkets as part of the bonus action 
you use to activate Ghost Walk. That's a little powerful if you think about it. It is a little powerful. Especially if you have four mm. trinkets well, at this level. I think you'll have five trinkets. 13th. I, yeah, I think it's five. It is five, yeah. Yeah, you get, uh, yeah, you get, I think you get your fifth at 12. Or do you get a 13? Either way, you get yeah. five at this level. Yeah. You know what I see this as? I see this as something very similar to when Frodo puts the one ring on in the movies. Yeah. He's kind of now in in that in that realm that the Nazgul live in. And as a DM, I would, I would, I would love this to death because I see this ability as um, you're not necessarily granting or getting a new ability. What's happening is, is you're moving farther and farther away from the land of the living and closer and closer to the land of the dead. Whereas Mm -hmm. before maybe at third level, you had one foot, on you know on the other side of the border and now it's the opposite you know where you're you know you're ju- your toes are just hanging over the border you know you oh you still got a little of you left in the land of the living but i would make it harder and harder for a uh, a player to resist using it it's, it's like, that addiction yeah to, yeah to all this power that you're getting yeah it's okay uh you know you have these four four uh, tokens of the departed. Now let's make willpower saves to see if you use another one to maintain your ghostly form, or if you um, if you come back to the world of the living. You're making it harder and harder for them to do that. Oh, and a great way to play this. Okay, uh, my fellow grognards, uh, reach up into your book, uh, your your bookcase there. Pull out your manual of the planes and look up the border ethereal. Yeah. That's that's where you're playing, guys, and uh, I always had a lot of fun with people that would play because there's things that reside in the border of Theral. And at thirteenth level, you're getting close to the end of your adventurer's journey, you know. So this mm-hmm. is where, you know, you're kind of getting ready to close things out, and <laughs> and this makes this makes a, a lot get, of you, sense. You're really close to pulling those toes off that line and going, oh, yep, well, this is it's where time. I am now. Yep. So, <laughs> do we move on to seventeenth level? Death's friend. Your association with death has become so close that you gain the following benefits: when you use your whales from the grace, you can deal the necrotic damage to both the first and second targets. A soul trinket appears in your hand if you don't have any soul trinkets, as the spirits of the dead are drawn to you. So you don't have to wait till someone dies. You don't have to, you know. To, uh, oh, I can see it within thirty feet. Nope. Hey, buddy, welcome to the club of the nearly dead. Here, have a trinket. Yeah, Use you're, it. you're there. You're yep. almost there. And you you know it. So you either you either embrace it um or you resign yourself to the knowledge that it's not much longer for you. Mm-hmm. Um I would I would end this journey for this character at the end of a campaign with a showdown with the, you know, the big bad and the minions of the big bad where he or she squares off against another phantom road and then maybe is slain and becomes a soul trinket and becomes one of the voices that torments 
the person that slew him in battle or, or her. I was thinking something almost in the same lines, but it's the battle rages on, you're hurt, everyone goes down, um, you know, you, you think you lose consciousness for a couple moments, but you're back, you're talking to your friends, there's a lot going on, you're standing next to maybe a young person that you didn't see there, and the rest of the group is is talking to them, uh, say, hey, you know, welcome to the group, stuff like that, and it turns out it's another phantom character, lower level, that happened to be there. And you were slain, and he took your soul as a trinket. I got chills. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of cool stuff you can a do. A lot of cool, dark stuff. Yeah, but that's what the archetype is. Yeah. It's yeah, dark. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. is. It's brooding. It's, it's, it's kind of morose. But, again, the trick is for the player to own his thematics and a DM to own the trinket thematics. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I can get behind this one. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's smiling from here. Now, let's see if he says that about the next one. And now it's time for a break. Let's talk about this week's sponsor. Drip It is an online gaming magazine that focuses on the gamer, not just the games. Join the discussion of Dungeons and & Dragons and other tabletop role-playing games, retro gaming, classic gaming, and all those great games that don't get enough attention. Drippit calls itself an inclusive gaming roundtable. Yes, just like King Arthur's Knights of the Roundtable. Regardless of who you are or what you're playing, you are equally deserving of the respect owed to all who do battle in the world of gaming. Check them out at drippit.com. That's D-R-I-P-P-I-T.com. There's the gong, and now we're back from break. Okay, now we're going to go from Rogue to Ranger, right? Let me, let me flip the book oh, here. No, no you me. missed the Soul Knife. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I, I don't let know me, if that's in my book. I may have torn that page out. I'll start it off then. Oh, damn. Most assassins strike with physical weapons, and many burglars and spies use thieves' tools to infiltrate secure locations. In contrast, though, Soul Knife strikes and infiltrates with the mind cutting through barriers, both physical and psychic. Mm, it tastes a little like psionics to me. Do you taste it, Bill? Mm-mm-mm. Your favorite. These <sighs> rogues discover psionic power within themselves and channel it to do their roguish work. They find easy employment as members of Thieves' Guilds. And who would not want a psionically endowed anything on their team? Bill? No, you're right. I wouldn't. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Um, in case you've listened to or have not listened to some of our other episodes, I am not a large proponent of psionics. Bill doesn't like psionics at all. Well, we do. Yes, we do. They even brought in help to try to convince it's me. It's coming. It's coming. It, Bill's yeah. pig-headed. Yes. Even with even with my allies. I'm setting my ways. Yes, he would not budge. I I think I held my own against the. I the, think he the, budged a little bit, but then he just it was a he kind of like slid back. Yeah, his rocking chair went back, <laughs> and then he came right back forward. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> so, Bill, let's talk yes. about psionic power at third level. Take it away. Uh well, since I have to, let's start at the bottom. 
Psychic power. The soul knife feature, third level. You harbor a wellspring of psychic energy within yourself. Oh, I can barely read this. This energy is represented by your psychic energy dice, which are each a D6. Okay, hold, hold on. It, it's psionic. Are you oh, just psychic? reluctant to say psionic? Oh, oh, you dislike psionic I, so much. My glasses are dirty. Did I say you psychic? Will, you will not. You knew what you were doing. You won't even utter the word. Shame on you. I apologize to our listeners. <laughs> Here, let me reread it again. No, you may pick up where you started, but we're on to you. We know right. exactly where this is going. Okay, Mr. so your D6. <laughs> you have the number of these dice equal to twice your proficiency bonus, and they feel various psionic powers you have, which are detailed below. See, was it that hard? Yes. Some of your powers expend psionic energy dice they use, as specified in the power's description, and you can't use a power if it requires you to use a die when your dice are all expended. Makes sense? Uh, you regain all your expended psionic dice when you finish a long rest. When you reach certain levels in this class, the size of your psionic energy dice increases at 5th level to a D8, 11th level to a D10, and 17th level to a D12. Yay, they get stronger. Yep. You get a psi-bolstered knack, so when you when your non-psionic training fails you, your psionic power can help. Right. So if you fail an ability check using a skill or tool with which you have proficiency, you can roll one psionic energy die and add the number rolled to the check, potentially turning failure into success. You expend the die only if the roll succeeds. That's a little OP. Um, yeah, it it's like a uh, a super mental luck die. Yep. Yeah. That yep. that's how I see it. Ah, my turn. Psychic whispers, Bill. Let's talk. Psychic, about psychic whispers. whispers. You can establish telepathic communication between yourself and others. Perfect for quiet infiltration. As an action, choose one or more creatures you can see, one or more, up to the number of creatures equal to your proficiency bonus, and then roll one psychic energy, I did it again, psionic energy die. For a number of hours equal to the number rolled, the chosen creatures can speak telepathically with you, and you can speak telepathically with them. To send or receive a message, no action required, you and the other creature must be within one mile of each other. A creature can't use this telepathy if it can't speak any languages and the creature can end the telepathic connection at any time. No action required. You and the creature don't need to speak common language to understand each other. The first time you use this power after each long rest, you don't expend a psychic energy die. I did it again, psionic. All the times you use the power, you expend a die. My brain just won't say that word. I, I know. it's. I'm actually trying now, too, and it just won't. <laughs> you are so anti-psionic. You can, your brain will not, will not bring itself <laughs> uh, to utter the word. Apparently, <laughs> I'm genuinely trying to read it, and it's like just, it, it, it just won't work for me. So when you look up the definition of the term set in their ways, <laughs> expect to see a picture of DM Bill sitting next to that. So you get these uh, psychic blades, and that's pretty cool. You got a picture of um, this guy there with what I'm assuming is a, a psychic blade. Yes. 
Uh, he looks kind of like Jonathan Taylor Thomas from A Home Improvement. He, yes, and he he looks oddly disproportionate. Yeah, he uh, it's this massive head and his tiny little feet. He's all torso. Yeah, all head and torso. Poor little mutant. <laughs> Mutation comes with psionic ability. Uh, apparently, one you've, more reason not to use it. You've played Stay Game of World. It. Stay away from it, kids. It's going to mess you up. It's going to be a giant oversized head like giant this. veiny bald oversized head. <laughs> Uh, you can manifest your psionic power as shimmering blades of psychic energy. I mean, come on, tell me that's not cool. For anime, yes, it's awesome. Whenever you take the attack action, you can manifest the psychic blade from your free hand and make the attack with that blade. It's a simple melee weapon. It has a normal range of 60 feet and no long range. And on a hit, it deals psychic damage equal to 1d6 plus the ability modifier you use for the attack roll. The blade vanishes immediately after it hits or misses its target, and it leaves no mark on its target if it deals damage. So after you attack with a blade, you can make a melee arranged weapon attack with a second psychic blade as a bonus action on the same turn, provided your other hand is free to create it. The damage die of this bonus attack is 1d4 instead of 1d6. So you can hurl your mental knives. Yeah. Um, it's 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 not enough to just be able to make a mental knife. You got to be able to hurl them. 60 feet. Well. Now listen. And it, oh, I missed. So I'll just have another psychic knife in my other hand. I've been here when your wife has come downstairs pissed off about something, and she has thrown <laughs> uh, daggers from her eyes. They have certainly dealt more than a paltry dagger. 1d6 or 1d4. <laughs> okay, I have to give you that one. <laughs> so it's not out of the ordinary. Uh, yeah, all right. I'll have, to, I'll have to give you that one. But at ninth level, you get an upgrade. Upgrade to soul, soul blades. Soul blades. Yeah, your psychic blades are now an expression of your psi-suffused soul. Say that three times fast. Jesus, that's... Giving you, and I, giving you these powers that use your psionic... Energy dice. But you managed to say all of that, but not psionic. (laughs) Just taking it one syllable at a time. So you have homing strikes. If you make an attack roll with your psychic blades, yeah, it says psychic this time, and miss the target, you can roll one psionic energy die and add the number rolled to the attack roll. If this causes the attack to hit, you expended psionic energy die there you go mental redo yeah then you have the psychic teleportation as a bonus action you manifest one of your psychic blades expend one psionic energy die roll it and throw the blade at an unoccupied space you can see up to a number of feet away from you equal to 10 times the number rolled you then teleport to that space and the blade vanishes Interesting. That's that's an odd one. It is. It is very odd because why would you have to throw? I, I just I don't understand you, you the have purpose. To, you have to conjure a blade, expend the die to roll to figure out how far it goes. Throw the blade. No, you got to d six ten times. So that okay, that makes sense because you the, the furthest you can throw it is sixty feet. Which is the range of your thrown psychic blade. And then you teleport to it. Yeah. It seems a little complicated. 
it seems a lot complicated. It 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 seems like it's awkwardly complicated. I mean, similar to almost everything else we read here. Yeah, it's um this this particular archetype seems a little strained. Um I do I do like it. You know, I like the 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 features of like the psychic blades, so you're you're great for infiltration. You know, you're you you're a, a good spy. Yes. Um, you can be frisked for weapons, and no one would find any. Who doesn't want to be frisked? Yeah, I mean, I love it. I go to the airport just to get frisked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that occasional uh, body cavity search that is unpleasant. <laughs> Got to take the good with the bad. That's true. That's true. Hope you hope you find a TSA agent <laughs> with small hands. Um, so I, I I like I can see this particular rogue archetype. Um, being employed by a huge, very well-established thieves' guild, or by a a government, you know, a king or whatever, to spy on um, members of the court. You know, who is trying to uh, have me assassinated? Who's scheming or plotting against me? You know, who's who are my allies? Who are my foes? Yeah, and this would be a a really cool NPC. Yes. In in a in a game. What what I would do is I would tear these pages out and throw them away. I would combine this with the uh uh telepathic feat and make a mute rogue, someone who is employed like they're not talking to anybody, right? Maybe it's it's a uh maybe it's a uh they're triplets. <laughs> right and they're they work as a team and they all they're all mute and they all have that telepathy so they're constantly in communication with one another's minds and they will go in as 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 kind of like a strike team to either spy or assassinate someone you kind of almost that i'm trying to remember they were i'm trying to remember who they were they were in that um that x-men offshoot the gift yeah the, the triplet <laughs> excuse me i'm I'm just trying to think what they were. They were kind of sort of like what you're describing now. I think that would make for a cool adventuring party, and that's what you would do. You know, they'd be perfectly silent. They would use their psychic energy to kind of, um, that would be their primary offense and in, in, in defense. I think as a, as a dungeon master, I would use your triplets as a foe instead of a player characters. I them being a foe would be would be fantastic because the, the the beauty is as the game master you, you know what the conversation is between them so there's these coordinated attacks and there's no hand movements there's no communications but how the hell do they they know what each one's doing yeah and if they look and dress exactly the same then how, how do you even know they're triplets because if they're doing that that um, psychic teleportation yep. You know they're all over the place. And like we got to get this guy, or we got to get this now girl. Someone, you know? Now someone's looking for the wizard who's using mirror image. Yeah, and and it's actually uh, people. But I think it would work as an adventuring party too. Yeah, in a campaign or or a one shot or something or sh- a short adventure specifically made for that type of that type of of of, of character and and archetype. Well, why don't you go on to the next one, which would work perfect with your triplets. Well, that's Psychic Veil. So at 13th level, you can weave a veil of psychic static to mask yourself. As an action, 
You can magically become invisible along with anything you are wearing or carrying for one hour until you dismiss this effect. This invisibility ends early immediately after you deal damage to a creature or you force a creature to make a saving throw. Once you use this feature, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest unless you expend a psionic energy die to use this feature again, um, which is... I mean, it's pretty powerful. Imagine imagine our triplets, and one pops out and backstabs, and now the focus is on, on them, but one of the other ones becomes visible when they, you know, take that, that kind of sneak attack or backstabbing action, and then the other one expends the psionic energy die to, you know, disappear again, and now you have this person all kind of all kind of hemmed up you know they don't know all right so now there's an attacker everywhere the guy in front of me disappeared but now there's someone you know behind me so i turn around and then i get it in the side and then that person disappears that you know so you you're gonna go down quick especially with all those being sneak attacks and, and, yeah and he can do that total for all three of them that's 15 times nice. they will each have yeah. five energy die at that you're, time you're done <laughs> You're yeah. done. That's that's the that's the end. No, you pull Lou. It's it's pretty you cool. Center at my feet. Did, did he keep yeah. popping up five feet away. Thunder wave. <laughs> and we'll move on. Rend mind. How can you not like this ability with a name like that? Uh you know, that's that's pretty much where my mind is after reading all this. You can sweep your psychic blades directly through a creature's mind. When you use your psychic blades to deal sneak attack damage to a creature, you can force a target to make a wisdom saving throw, DC 8 plus your proficiency bonus and dex mod. If the save fails, the creature is stunned for one minute. The stunned creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect it has on itself. Uh, once you use it, you need a long rest. Unless you ex- expend three psionic energy dice to use it again that's a high dc for at this level that's a like a 19 yeah 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 you're 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 he's carving through your brain like a cottage cheese and you could do that total of two more times because if you're using three die for to redo it you could do that two more times because you got six die at this level so you can yeah well you can only do it twice because you need to expend the psychic dice initially oh okay but you can do it again so there you go. Um, there's your your psionic thief. See, I said the word. I like it. I know you do. I I know I know Lou loves it. I, I think I like it. I think you could do a lot with it. I think it's a a a pretty easy archetype to get behind. Kind of marvelly. It is. It is. I will admit that. There's a lot of superhero type of stuff. I was in thinking Tasha's. Psylocke. Yeah. This one, yeah you you can have a lot of fun with this. Uh, well, there you can't no, Bill, no. but the rest of us can. <laughs> There's little bits and pieces here that are intriguing, but yeah, a, as a whole, um, I'd throw it in a hole. But you know, that's just me. It's just, just this old man's personal point of view about psionics, the overpowered abilities that ruin games. I guess we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) And that's a look at the Rogue class and the optional class features for the Rogue. See you next week in the dojo. 
That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.